you have your Bibles and will open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, I am going to read beginning in verse 24, and I am going to read down to the end of the chapter, verse 27, and I'm just going to talk to you about a burden in my heart tonight, and uh, perhaps I will be able to get through to you what I feel in my own spirit, and God will help us. I do know this, we need revival like we've never needed revival before, not just our church, but our community, amen, and uh, if we don't have revival and have a shaking, God, I hate to think of what's going to be coming down the road. I believe revival can stave a lot of things off, and if we will pray, God will send revival. If you have your Bibles, read with me. Uh, If you want to read out loud, that would not be uh, bad. But read along with me if uh, you could from 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, beginning in verse number 24. He said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means everybody say any means by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway this verse came to my mind a few weeks ago and had just kind of lingered in the background Uh, my thoughts over the last few days and the last few weeks and tonight. I hope I can help you understand what the Lord has been talking to me about. I want to talk to you from one word, and that word is disqualified. Disqualified. Not a very encouraging word, And I notice you're not smiling when I say that because there's nothing to smile about when we talk about being disqualified. But that's what Paul was talking about here when he said that I become a castaway. The word in the Greek can be translated disqualified. God bless you. You may be seated. I've tried at times to uh, describe the hour in which we live, and it's very difficult. It's kind of like trying to navigate through quicksand. Um, It is a very troubling time, and we all are aware of that. And it is becoming more and more evident that we don't really know where we're going as a nation, 
uh, as a people. And uh, there are many who prophesy the judgments of God upon America because we have turned our back on the Lord and, and we have embraced so many of the vials, the wicked sins that have condemned other worlds, Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, all of that. And perhaps that is true. I am certain that God is not pleased with that at all. Abortion, homosexuality. Uh, the perversion of our world, the sinfulness of our world right now, I'm sure is a stink in the nostrils of God. But in the midst of all of that, God has a people. He's always had a people. And they have always had to live out their life and existence against that kind of backdrop. We look at our day and we think it's evil, but if you read and study the Bible and you study history any, you will find that there were days past when there was just the same kind of spirit, the same kind of wickedness and evil uh, that was rampant and God had a people. One scripture that is mentioned in uh, Paul's writing that has always intrigued me is that when he referred to saints in Caesar's household. Now that is ironic. It is almost a, a um, uh, an impossible thing to consider that in Caesar, who considered himself to be God, and he was worshipped by the Romans as God, that he would have in his house people that had been born again of the water and spirit, people that were baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, walking with God, serving the Lord Jesus Christ, not Caesar. And yet that has been the picture of the church from its beginning. It has always been able to thrive in the most wicked and vile of circumstances. But in the day in which we live, there are... There are so many things that are changing so quickly that many of the things that are changing and we are accepting, we don't know whether it's good or not. We won't know probably until three or four years down the road whether it's good or not, and then it'll be too late. And so that makes me want to put the brakes on and slow down and say, okay, just because it's new doesn't mean it's better, or new doesn't always mean it's improved. It may be new, but... It may be just some new thing that has been repackaged and it's just an old sin or an old perversion or an old uh, falsehood or doctrine that is creeping back in. And so we need to be careful. We, I, I hear so many people make the statement that they uh, are trying to be relevant to the world in which they live. And I'm not sure I understand what that means because I, I, I want to identify with the world, but I'm not ever going to be relevant to it because they're never going to understand the way I live and the reason that I live the life that I live. Now, do I want to talk to them and help them understand? Absolutely. But being relative to them or them fully embracing and saying, oh, yeah, I see that. It's not going to happen. And so I, I have to be careful that 
I don't embrace the doctrine that I have to dumb church down so that I can help people be able to uh, accept it. this, This is not about us, church. This is about the Lord. And the Lord still has His glory And His glory He's not going to share with anybody else. And not only that, His his glory deserves the highest praise. And so we should always be conscious of that. And I I get worried sometimes when I hear of things that, that that the church world is doing to attract people. And we say, well, they're bringing in a lot of people. But you know what I discovered not long ago, according to what Paul When God gave him a glimpse of the end time, he talked about perilous time. He also talked about a time of great religious fervor, but they would not have any power. And so that's what we see right now. We see a lot of religious fervor, and we see a lot of religious clamoring, but we don't see the power that goes with that to really transform and change life. I heard one man comment about going to a mega church. And I'm not knocking mega church. He just went to one that was very popular and not in our city. It was in another community. And, and, he, and he, this was his statement. He said, I don't know much about that God stuff. I don't, I'm really not interested in that God stuff. But I like the programs they're offering there. I like the sports activities. I like the connections. I like all the friends that I can make. And um, and I don't guess it's wrong to do all that to bring them, but we better make sure when we get them here, we introduce them to the real friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We better make sure that whatever means we use, that when we get them to the end, that their eyes are still not on the means, that they are looking to the prize and they are looking to the cause of it all, and that is the Lord of glory. And somebody say amen. I have said it many, many times from this pulpit and I will say it over and over again if the Lord wills me to be here. It will be worth everything to be saved. Amen. It will be worth everything. It will be worth whatever sacrifice you make. It will be worth whatever you commit to God. It will be worth it all. I have not made it yet. Neither have you. And I know that there are There are doctrines that float around in the world about once you're saved, you're always saved. But our text that we read from tonight uh, refutes that because Paul, if there was anybody that was saved, I believe Paul was saved. I I have no doubt about that Paul had, had a conversion experience knowing what all he did. But this is the Apostle Paul writing And the Apostle Paul is reflecting back over life and he is reminding the church of what they are involved in and what they are participating in. And he said, you are in a race. You're in a fight. You're like an athlete that is training for the game, the Olympics. And you've got to give it your best and go for the prize and, and reach for the goal because that's what it's all about. And he said, the thing that troubles me the most is that I would reach others, but then I myself would become a castaway, or that word means disqualified, or eliminated from the race. 
that I would be taken out, excluded, prohibited, ineligible, barred, banned. That's what the word means in the Greek. So it is possible to live a long life and then mess up or get in the wrong place and not get your heart right and not do what is needed to get right and, and wind up missing that, uh, what, what you've been telling everybody else about. Now, it's a sobering reality of life that none of us are exempt from that. It, if Paul was worried about it, certainly you and I need to be considerate of it tonight. That if Paul was concerned about the reality of his own humanity and his own failure, he certainly was awakened to that by what he said. I, I don't want to be in the place that I preach to others and I reach for others, but then myself, because I don't pay attention to myself and I, I'm not taking care of my own life, I become disqualified. And if Paul was concerned about that, certainly I need to be concerned about it. Too many people want the easy way and they are after the easy way. They, they want to win the victory without ever having to fight a battle. They want to have prosperity without ever having to work and sow the seed. They, they want the blessing without ever having to go through the buffeting. They, they want God's hand upon them without submitting to God. That they want God to favor them without them ever kneeling or bowing before God and saying, God, you are the Lord of my life. We live in a world that feels like they can do it their own way. But Paul reminded them that you are like an athlete in training and that Athlete in training has a certain intensity about them and they have a certain purposeness to, uh, to, to their activities because they are after one thing and that is to win the prize. And Paul reminds all of us that life is a battle. It's a fight. And we must always view ourselves as pressing toward a goal. And to win the race, if we're going to win it, it's going to demand discipline, discipline of our bodies, discipline of our minds, discipline of our souls. Uh, we're going to have to get the reins of our life and draw them in and say, no, you, you're not going to go there, or no, you're not going to do that, or no, you're not going to think that way. You can't just free wheel through life and expect to be blessed. He said you need to pull in the reins and you have to know what it is to discipline your soul. You've got to face sorrows with endurance and you've got to deal with temptations through the strength of God and, and you've got to face disappointment in the courage of God's presence. But understand, you're in a battle. You're in a fight. You're in a race tonight and you better have your eyes on the goal and never lose sight of what you're here for. Somebody said amen. We need to know what the goal is. And that may sound strange to you, but there's a lot of people that have lost sight of the goal. The goal is not popularity with the world. The goal is not to see how large a church we can have. Though we would love to have that, that's not the goal. The goal is not as, as long as we get what we want in ourselves. That's not what the goal is. The goal is... 
to reach the prize that, that God has put before us. And many people have lost sight of that. And they are too interested in something else. And there is this aimlessness and there is the drifting that comes with that. Uh, and it's all because we don't even know what the goal is. What are we trying to reach for anyway? What are we trying to accomplish? And so Paul reminds the church that you need to remember, you need to know what the goal is. You need to know what you're reaching for, what you're living for, what you're doing. Why are you even here on Wednesday night? Are you here just because you don't have anywhere else to go? I dare say that's not the truth, but some of us might be here just out of habit. But is that the reason we ought to come out of habit? Absolutely not. We need to come because there's a goal we're trying to reach. There's a prize that we're reaching for. And Paul said you cannot save others unless you have mastered yourself. You cannot save others if there is no accountability in your life. You can't bring someone else to the Lord if you yourself have not been brought to the Lord. Amen. And so with all of that in mind, when I began to think about what Paul was saying, the Lord began to speak to me about where we are and what I need to say to you in this hour in which we live. If you don't want to be disqualified, if if you want to reach the end and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You better pay attention to what Paul spoke here in the book of Corinthians. And the first thing is that in, in, this, in this effort to reach for what God has put before us, we have to stay alert. That means wake up. <clears throat> Amen. Wake up. Praise God. You know what? <clears throat> Some of us are guilty of sleepwalking spiritually. We have come to church so many times and we have been in the presence of God so often we can do it blindfolded. We don't even have to be anointed. We don't even have to be inspired. We don't even have to feel anything. We don't even have to be aware that God might be in this place. We just know how to do it. We know how to have church. We know the right notes to hit on the keyboard. We know the right songs to sing. We know the right tempo to have. We know all the right phrases to say. And a lot of people are sleepwalking. But down deep in their soul, they are fast asleep. And I have preached to this church long enough. I can look into your eyes sometimes and realize you're looking at me, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. Paul said, you better wake up. You better stir yourself. You better shake yourself. You better make sure that in this hour you don't go to sleep. Because it's an hour in which the Lord is coming and you need to be alert and awake and ready and watching. What did he say? He was coming after those that were looking for him. Amen. I want to be spiritually alert, so I need to stay alert. But not only that, I need to stay humble. Everybody say, stay humble. If I don't want to be disqualified, I better remember that there's an issue that is in all of us that can get every one of us in trouble, and it's a spirit of pride. 
And pride comes in a lot of forms. Some come in pride of face, pride of race, pride of grace. Some people feel like because they've been around church so long, they have certain rights. None of us have any rights. None of us are here but by the grace of God. And none of us deserve to be here. We better make sure that when we come into this place, that there is a sense of humility. That if it had not been for the Lord on my side, the enemy would have swallowed me up. If it had not been for God, I would have been gone a long time ago. We need to stay humble. Because pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I've seen pride disguised in a lot of ways. One of my dearest friends, minister of the gospel for many years, built a powerful, powerful church in another part of the country. Very dear friend of ours. Allowed pride to get in his way. One of the most brilliant men that I've ever known in my life. One of the most powerful preachers I've ever heard in my life. Preached conferences all over the United States. But somewhere in the private sanctuary of his own mind, he decided that because of who he was or what he was or whatever, that he could give himself some leeways that no one else could have. And so he began to make allowances for himself. And I watched a man that was on the verge of seeing an unbelievable explosion in his city of revival. I watched him as he shipwrecked and ruined his family. I don't know of any of his girls that are really in church tonight. I mean, they, they go, but they're not in church. Forever, forever scarred by the failure of a father and all of it because he would not submit himself to anybody. It's a dangerous thing to ever get to the place that you're not willing to be submitted to somebody. And pride will keep you from submitting. Me or or to leadership of any kind. I have always, always been very terrified of this one issue in my own life because it's easy. You know, you're, 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 you're in a place of leadership. People are supposed to do what you tell them to do. You get to thinking that you're, you're exempt from things, and I'm not exempt from anything. I'm not exempt from failure. I'm not exempt from mistakes. And I have the same kind of flesh that you have. And I fight the same kind of battles that you fight. And I can never give place to that spirit of pride in my life because pride does go before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I watched a man that had moved congregations by the thousands. I've seen him preach and the place explode in an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost and people fill the altars. I've seen him bring the house down And now his house is down. And it all 
came because he would not stay humble. He looked like he was, but on the inside, he was anything but that. We better stay humble, folks. And to stay humble, you have to stay accountable. None of us have made it. None of us. You've got to stay submitted. Paul talked about that strongly. Bringing your body under. Bringing it down. That means Paul understood that every one of us have a battle with this flesh that wants to rise up. And so all of us are going to have to work on making sure that that flesh stays down. You've got to know how to take orders. You've got to know how to obey the Word of God. You've got to know how to subdue yourself. Subdue your own self. It speaks of our flesh that all of us battle with on a daily basis. Paul said you've got to stay submitted. Amen. Stay submitted. I want to always have somebody in my life that can speak to me and say, you can't do that. You, You can't do that. And I have a man. I have more than one, but I have one in particular, Brother Kilgore. If he called me tonight and told me to shut up, I would shut up right now because I learned a long time ago it's better to obey than to sacrifice. It's better to obey than to put up all kind of pretension of other spiritual activities and spirituality. It's better to say, okay, I don't understand why, but I'm willing to do that. And I've tried to live my life. I'm not perfect at that. I've not always been, I've not always liked it. There have been times I didn't want to swallow that pill. But I'm thankful that so far I have been able to bring myself back to that place where I would say, if that's what you feel like I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. All of us need to live that way. All of us need to live that way. We need to live a submitted life. We need to stay submitted and we need to stay focused. We can never forget what we're reaching for. It's eternal, folks. It's eternal. We're not playing dominoes here tonight. We're not playing marbles. We're we're not playing Yahtzee. We're, We're not doing words with friends tonight, folks. This is not Scrabble. This is eternal thing. This is, this is life and death. This is what we're going to look back upon at some point in time and say, thank God I did all that I could do. Or we're going to look back and say, my God, I wish I had done all that I could do. And I want to be one that looks back and say, thank you, God. Every opportunity, I was reaching for it. I was hungry for it because I want to stay focused on the prize. I want to remember what it is that I'm living for. I'm not living for popularity. I'm not living for wealth. I'm not living for approval. I'm not living for myself. I'm living for him. Amen. I'm living for him. There's no time for distractions, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them out there. There's no time for playing church. Amen. There's no time for playing church. No time for playing church.
Amen. Every time we come to church, we need to make it count. Amen. Stay focused. And last of all, Paul reminded me that you can never stop running in this race. Never. You can never coast. Coasting in living for God is a dangerous thing. Amen. Drift. The word drift means to operate without power. A lot of people are doing that today. They're operating without any power in their life. Paul said you can never stop running. If you're going to win, you've got to keep running. Amen. Sometimes you have to get your second win, but get your second win and keep going. Don't ever give up. I've told you the story, and I will tell you over and over again because it has made such an indelible mark in my mind and in my heart. But when Columbus was headed toward a new world and he was trying to break a barrier that had never been broken before, there was a lot of moments on those ships when they were at the point of mutiny and they had turned on him and they had thought him to be a lunatic. There were points at time when they were ready to string him up and throw him overboard. But every evening when he would go back to his place in in that ship he would sit down and write down in his diary and every day no matter what else he recorded these were the words that he would pen and today we sailed on that's the only way you reach a new world is just to keep sailing on you got to keep running you got to keep worshiping you got to keep living amen you can't put it on cruise control you can't get diverted off to the right or the left. You can't go off on tangents. You've got to stay focused and keep reaching because it's going to be worth everything you and I do to be saved. Everything. Let's stand together.